Hello and welcome. My name is Sue Langley and welcome to my Learn With Sue Walk and Talk podcast. And in today's episode, join me and another of my favourite people, Dr. Denise Quinlan. Denise works in schools, organisations, communities based in New Zealand on strengths-based leadership, resilience and positive psychology. And she has her own award-winning podcast called Bringing Wellbeing to Life. Denise and I have known each other for many years now, and I am honoured to have Denise facilitate our Diploma of Positive Psychology and Wellbeing in New Zealand. She is an amazing person, very open and generous, and our conversations are always rich, interesting and insightful. So join me for a fabulous conversation with one of my favourite people, and let's all explore how we can pop on some flippers and allow us to kick ourselves to the surface, even when the going gets tough. All right, it is just past the hour. So, Denise, shall we get started? (laughs) So, welcome everybody that's on live and welcome to those of you listening to the recording. Um, As you know, you are welcome if you're on live to pop any thoughts or questions in chat or the Q&A at any point in time. Um, We are going to go uh, uh, into all sorts of things, I'm sure, during this conversation. And I just wanted to uh, introduce Denise, not necessarily in a formal way, but in a way that perhaps helps you understand what my experience of Denise is. So um, Denise and I had emailed, but before we hadn't actually met, and then we arranged to meet uh, in Wellington. We happened to be there at the same time, and we arranged uh, an hour to catch up for a chat in a cafe somewhere. I can't even remember where it was. And um, I think three hours later, we suddenly legged it in a taxi to the airport because we were still talking. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we realized we had planes to catch. So, um, my experience of Denise is always brilliant conversations. I love talking to Denise. She is one of my favourite people. She is knowledgeable in this space, as I'm sure you'll learn if those of you haven't heard Denise talk before. Um, But more importantly, she's just one of my favourite people. So Denise, welcome. (laughs) Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. So we're here to just talk about sort of well-being in a variety of ways. Um, But I did just want to get a little bit of background is why are you in this space? Ah, do you know the deep, deep truth is you teach what you need to learn. Um, I think, so my background, I was one of those people who didn't know what to do and people kept saying, try this job. And so really I should be working at the European Commission, speaking French and Italian, doing international work. And instead I came to New Zealand in 1991 and abandoned being, I had been a stockbroker and a management consultant, and then got into, I have to blame Marty actually, I remember reading Learned Optimism and going, that's interesting, that might help, you know, and I really identified with his description of himself as a recovering pessimist, and I think that's what I am, and you know, there are some, very often the people I think who get into well-being work are people who know if you like their well-being is obtained at a price so my sister is a classic example of somebody who is just happy go lucky really enjoys life she brings the party with her doesn't have a huge interest in well-being because it's just like the air she breathes whereas as somebody who's had you know the, the the dips and highs I have had to learn how to look after my well-being and so I know there's a lot of people out there like me who are the same. 
Thank you for that. That's really interesting. And again, if you've got any questions, those of you listening, please pop them in chat. So I would like to delve into that, Denise, if I may. So um, many people on this call, we're all interested, hopefully, in being the best we can be and flourishing and thriving and whatever you, but we also know life sometimes has adversity and challenges, etc. So bearing in mind that you have had those sort of ups and downs, and you will continue to have those ups and downs, what do you do every single day that keeps your well-being up? Well, first of all, I don't always do it every single day. So, <laughs> you know, Lucy, Lucy Hone, whom I work with, we talk about, I've, I've got this metaphor of weight belts and flippers. And I think of it as, um, you know, there are people, we're all out there in the big sea with our divers gear on. And some people have been born with buoyancy vests mm -hmm. and you can push them under and they will float back to the surface. And then there's other people like me who were born with the kind of the Celtic weight belt around, you know, the divers <laughs> weight belt. And I sink really easily. And so for me, um, well-being and resilience has been about learning um, the tools that act like a huge pair of flippers. And if I put my flippers on, um, I can kick for the surface much more easily. Mm. But it's a bit like um, one of my favorite medics always says to their patients, you know, the tablets don't work in the bottle. You have to take them. <laughs> and so I do have stuff that I habitually do. Um, but when the going gets tough, sometimes you drop things out. So, so the, the, my, my kind of go-tos would be meditation, getting out in nature, exercise. Um, I'm a real curmudgeon, but I have started a gratitude practice. Which, oh. Yeah, and, and, and I used to, I don't write anything down, but in the mornings, um, with a cup of tea and a chat, my husband and I will talk about, well, what are you grateful for from yesterday? And what are you looking forward to today? And so those little practices um, are really important to me, but I do describe myself as a meditator who sometimes falls off her cushion. You know the way the alcoholics fall off the wagon? <laughs> I can fall off the cushion and it's like noticing it and going, how's this working for you? Yeah. No. And it's one of the things that we often talk about is having a range of strategies in your toolkit. And um, to your point is there are some strategies you will literally use every day, every day, every day that have almost become habitual. And there are some to your point is when life gets really tough, those strategies are not enough. And we need to have an extra set in our toolkit or other ones to sort of um, draw on. And obviously, I know a lot of the work you do in a variety of places, whether it's schools, organizations, communities, etc., you will come across people who are really struggling, who life has sort of felt overwhelming, if you like, whether it's through grief or loss or um, just basically challenging stuff happening. And obviously we've got some of that going on in the world at the moment. So what's your sort of thoughts on that of when the, the things that are happening to you, the adversity, the challenges sort of get too much? What can we learn from PostSyke that can help us in those times? I mean, I think I, I love the my kind of description of well-being and I'm, I'm kind of doing a balance scale with my hands is um when the resources we have are greater than the challenges we face quids in i've got well-being um and there are times when the challenges are greater and and so it's coming back to um well my tank is drained right now what can i do and it's interesting over the last year i think the people who've um 
who've had a head start in coping well are the people who are comfortable with uncertainty. Mm. You know, we've been living through a whole lot of uncertainty. And if you're somebody who likes things cut and dried and likes to know where things are going, that's more challenging. And so we've all had to have kind of lessons in accepting that there is uncertainty and there are some things we can't control. And so I kind of go two directions there. One is, you know, we talk about mental agility as being um, that lovely Venn diagram of the things that matter and the things that you can control. And the bit in the middle is around focusing on the things that matter and the things you can control. And it's really easy to say and, um, the little bit in the middle can be really big. You know? <laughs> and so we've, we've begun talking about, um, I started, I mentioned it at a, a conference um, in January. So we really need ruthless prioritization of the stuff that's in the middle. And, um, and then this organization asked me to come back and speak about it. And I, and I was like, yeah, okay. And then I got there and he said, remember, you have to talk about ruthless prioritization. And I thought, it won't be a big deal. But I got there and they had these books printed that said <laughs> ruthless prioritization. I was like, oh, my God, I really have to talk about it. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was really interesting because they were saying, you know, I think a lot of places all around the world, people have had more things, more things added to their plate and nobody has taken anything away. Mm -hmm. um, and so the recipe for overwhelm is everything's important and everything's urgent. Mm. And, and it's, yeah, just picking up on that, sorry, Denise, is, um, and Tony, you've mentioned this, I must stop doom scrolling. I think something around well-being and maybe that prioritisation that you mentioned is um, what not to do as well as what to do for your well-being. Um, because it's okay now and again, like you say, to fall off your cushion. Um, and I, I remember, you know, as I say, early days of lockdown, I've said this before to a few people is, um, this was last year, third week of lockdown, and I just went, right, that's it. I'm jumping over to the languishing scale. I need pizza, I need alcohol, I need chocolate, and I need it now. And it was delivered. I'm getting off my cushion and I'm moving over yeah. to the other side. But I think there is something about um, that being able to not do things, whether it's Tony's point about doom scrolling, of knowing what is not helping your well-being as well as what to do to help your well-being. What are your thoughts on that? And so our two favourite questions, one, one that was asked of me a few years ago and it sort of stopped me in my tracks and I thought, well, I could leave now. I've got value from this three weeks thing I'm meant to be doing, but I could go now. And the question was, where are you taking refuge and what are you taking refuge in? And I realized that I was taking refuge in uh, Facebook and the Guardian News Online. <laughs> and, then, and then the next question is, is it helping or harming? Yeah. And that's one of my favorite questions. And I love it because it puts people back in the driving seat. Yeah. You know, the question is, and is what you're doing helping or harming you in your pursuit of whatever it is you want to do? And um, what I, th I think it's such a brilliant question because it, it assumes that you know what you need. It gives you autonomy, it gives you agency. And I think it's a really, like for any parents, I think it's a brilliant question to be asking kids. Is mm. that what you're doing helping or harming? Yeah. And it's interesting you say that, Denise, because I've for years used the, used the question, is this serving me right now? 
Yeah. And if the answer is no, why are you doing it? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's time to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And Julie, I love your comment in um, in the chat. Um, I was on the languishing scale last week, feeling so much better for it. Absolutely. And what's really important here, and I and I'm gonna we're gonna do a whole session on this because I think it's really important. Is um, uh, Julie's got the language. I was on the languishing scale, same as I did. I said I'm moving over to the languishing side today. Right. Sometimes having the language can really help us with that acceptance and non-judgmental. What are your thoughts about that whole area of research around well-being, literacy, language, and how it can support us? I think it's huge. Like we're speaking of language, um, Jo Mitchell from Melbourne, she talks about having a timed wallow. Brilliant, you know, the idea that all better off, I'm not gonna be functioning well, I'm not gonna be at my best, and I'm set on a watch and I'm giving myself some time where I don't have to hold it together and I don't have to be good. Um, and I think, I think the language wraps round for that. Look, I think wellbeing literacy is huge. And, um, you know, there is, there is having a language and the power of having a shared language with people. Um, how do you, like we, we've done a lot of work in education and I think, um, we need to acknowledge and be a bit gentle with ourselves, mm. as well as the organizations we're in that, first of all, there's learning about the concepts and the language and having the vocabulary. And then we know that it takes time to practice and embed some of these skills. And then there may be, you know, we haven't had an opportunity or a need to use it. So it can be quite a while, quite a lag before we really get to use all of this stuff. And so I guess what that I'm linking to there is if you're an organization and you're doing some work on well-being, and then all you're going to do is measure, do a well-being survey and go, oh, no one's moved. It's a failure. You're missing so much of the important stuff because there is that. Well, first of all, ask them, does everybody know what well-being is now? Has everyone got a shared language? Because if you have a team situation or a family situation where people can actually talk, I really feel like I'm languishing. Mm. It's, it, it's allowed to be much more temporary. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, Denise, we were actually talking about this recently on another conversation with the Work on Wellbeing survey um, that Aaron Jordan created, um, is um, work on wellbeing. The first step is to create a language that you're measuring something, but it's not necessarily all about the measure. It's the fact that, oh, do I understand the difference between resilience? Do I understand the difference between how my health element is playing into my work wellbeing and my flight risk and my sense of meaning in my job or whatever it happens to be, how these things play out? And once we've got the language, it makes it easier to play with. So thinking about what you were just talking about and um, that sort of language around that it's okay to languish. And I think all of us believe yeah. that, that it's okay sometimes to sit, as I often say, uh, get comfortable with the uncomfortable emotions yeah. that you sit with it, etc. What's your thoughts about the area of research around that sort of self-compassion or acceptance when it comes to emotions, etc.? What's your your beliefs and thoughts around those? Oh, God, honestly, um, literally in the last couple of weeks, I remember, you know, where you ask yourself, if I could only do one thing for the rest of my life, that was going to be the most useful thing, what would it be? And, um, and of course, there's always two, no one ever, you know, not, not that parsimonious. But um, I have been thinking that um, if we could just work on 
perfectionism and you know self-compassion as the antidote to perfectionism if we could work on that and work on the whole area of psychological safety in organizations we transform the world of work mm. you know just there there is so much waste of wasted energy and talent and time because we're climbing up this weird spiraling tree of I might not be good enough so I have to armor up and I have to behave really defensively and be able to justify and blame and you know I, I think perfectionism is a really nasty insidious um, and really pervasive kind of attitude that that we see throughout the west and and it makes it really hard to be kind to ourselves and thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed our learn with sue walk and talk with the fabulous denise and for more of our conversation as well as sessions with many other experts our live events our online courses and research reviews and much much more please check us out at learnwithsue.com.au and consider becoming a member of our global learning community to support you to be the best you can be. Every month on our Learn With Sue podcast, I will also explore questions that have been sent in. So remember to send through any questions to questions at learnwithsue.com.au and we can walk and talk and explore those answers together. Take care, everyone.